You're listening to an Anazal Ministries podcast. Who are the priests to the geeks? Hey, everybody. Uh, this is Joshua Noel, one of the co-hosts of the Whole Church podcast, here with your other co-host, TJ Tiberius, Juan Blackwell. Hello, hello. And today we are also joined by a couple previous guests, uh, Pastor Will Rose and Reverend Keno Kennedy will be with us. Um, Keno will just come in a little bit later in the show. Um, but not only are they past guests of the Whole Church Podcast, they are also co-hosts of Systematic Ecology with TJ, myself, and uh, Joe Day, Daniel Stewart, uh, Ali Kuntz, Alex and Alicia Matthews, Matthew Knoll, Zach Blake, and Brandon Knight. Uh, together, we are the Priest to the Geeks. And when we say priest, we don't mean we're ordained. Some of us are, some of us aren't. Uh, really, what we're talking about is just the original biblical idea of being a mediator between the faith and culture. And uh, for us, it's going to be all about fandoms, and we can't wait for you guys to check it out. All right. Uh, so we just wanted to show everyone an example of using our common interests to engender unity. Uh, also, by the way, it is engender, as annoying as that is. It's it's not gender. <laughs> it's not the much um, more pleasant sounding way. Uh, uh, <laughs> that's just bothered me for a long time. Oh, uh, I used to say it on gender, and I thought it sounded so cool. Uh, but that to engender unity, right? So we can. So we decided to conduct our own God Loves Geeks meetings with uh, Reverend Kino from the AME Zion Church and Pastor Will. Uh, our local Lutheran pastor, by local I mean to the podcast, and uh, <laughs> Joshua and myself, both Pentecostals of the Whole Church Podcast, uh, for those listening on Systematic Ecology. Uh, this will be a different format than either show. Uh, we just wanted to give everyone a taste of God Loves Geeks uh, for this, rather than doing an extra episode of our podcasts. Uh, pastor Will and Josh will read a cop series they're going to discuss with us, and then Kino and I watch an anime series to discuss even though we kind of beat it and had seen it before. <laughs> yeah, and uh, this this is bonus episode is actually going to be both on Systematic Ecology and the Whole Church Podcast. Uh, first, it will air on Systematic Ecology. So uh, if you're listening on the Whole Church Podcast, you can go ahead and go over there if you wanted to. Yeah, um, yeah. so Pastor Will, uh, could you explain to us what we're doing and what God Loves Geeks is really quick? Yeah, I, I've said this other places, but but yeah, just just to to share with you, God loves geeks is just a, a a simple book club and fellowship group, small group in my church that we started, where we'll pick a a, a comic book or graphic novel or a movie or a sci fi novel or or something that we're geeking out on, and then come together and discuss it and talk about what we like, what we don't like, and then tease out and and think through, kind of think of it um, kind of like a critical thinking of uh, what what elements of faith and theology and philosophy emerge emerge from it. So uh, we, I, I like to challenge my flock and those people that I, that I hang out with that it's not only these things we get on that are a form of escapism or entertainment, but perhaps we could be a little bit more intentional with it, that it can help us go deeper into the big questions that everybody wrestles with. I don't care who you are. We wrestle what it means to be human. Is there a larger purpose uh, behind the universe? If there is, um, is there good and evil? How does that t 
work out and play out in my own life, in my own life story. Who are the heroes? Who are the villains? Am I the hero or the villain in my own story? And what's my redemption arc look like? So all those things are wrapped up in these stories that we love. I don't care what kind of movie you watch. There's redemption arcs all over the place. So what does mine look like and how does it apply to us? So we want to do that today and kind of um, model for you all of how what a God Loves Geeks book club would look like. And so we chose some readings and some things to view. And like most God Loves Geeks book clubs at my church, we have a theme, we have a topic, but as we get going, who knows, it's going to go in all kinds of directions. We may not end up exactly where we thought we planned to be, but hey, in that life, in that faith, takes different uh, forks in the road and, and ups and downs and roller coasters all over the place. So that's what we're doing today. Yeah. Amen. Amen. Yeah. And um, hopefully you guys will see, you know, as TJ mentioned, we have three different church denominations represented here today. And we want this to be an example of what unity looks like when you're not boggled down with some of these silly debates and rather just talking about what you enjoy and experiencing what it means to be the church together, which is exactly what this is. Um, so uh, first up, Pastor Will and I decided we wanted to talk about uh, Thor comics um, by uh, I'm blanking on the name, Pastor Will. What's Jason Aaron? Jason, by Aaron. Jason Aaron. Yeah. See, yeah. I knew that, um, which you've done a podcast with him before. Super cool guy from what it sounded like. And um, we want to just talk about some of the intersections of theology and what we've read in his comic arc. Um, yeah, let me just set the, the yeah. tone or set the <laughs> table just a little bit. So Jason Aaron wrote Thor for Marvel uh, Comics over the course of like seven years and uh, hundreds and hundreds of issues. And so there's many jumping on points, but he started at the very beginning uh, with um, – uh, what is it? The, the Thor God of Thunder. And the first arc is the God Butcher. And it goes all the way through hundreds of issues, many story arcs, many Marvel events. And if you like the movie Thor Ragnarok, coming up in May of 2022, there's going to be a big Thor movie people are really excited about called Thor Love and Thunder. And a lot of what Jason Aaron did in these comics is going to be played out in this movie. I don't know how close or or how tight they are going to keep to the, the original script. But we, we read the source material. And before you see this big movie, we want to challenge you read the source material and have a lot of fun with it. But um, I was looking at the IMBD page and um, Josh, we're talk about this uh, <laughs> yesterday that, that the cast is just incredible. Like the, the antagonist, the, the villain Gore, it, the God butcher oh, so is going to be played by Christian Bale. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. Jane Foster, who, um, looks like she may even be able to to pick up the hammer. Uh, it's played by Natalie Portman. And then you also had Guardians of the Galaxy, a part of it. Star-Lord, Nebula's going to be part of it. And then I saw an IMD, I didn't even know this was happening, but Russell, <laughs> Russell Crowe is going to be playing Zeus. So yeah, they're going to cross over from Greek mythology and Norse mythology and hash all these things. So so the, these uh, these story arcs written by Jason Aaron in serialized comic book form are going to be put into this movie. And so we want to challenge you to, to maybe perhaps if you haven't read these before, if you haven't even read comics before, but you plan to see the, the movie, go and, and pick up these books at your local comic book store or, or off, uh, um, off the Internet and, um, and, uh, and read and enjoy because it is, it is deep with philosophical and theological implications. Yeah, you can get it on Kindle pretty cheap too. Yeah. Um, I, 
man, I'm I'm really hoping Hercules is in this because he's he's my favorite Greek god and also the leader of my favorite Disney movie. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> but uh, as far as the source material, what we what we read and wanted to talk about, I the God Butcher and the God Bomb are the first like two big sections of his run on Thor. And guys, I got to tell you, Gore is amazing, and I I kind of felt bad. I related so much to Gore. Some of his angst, I was like, yes, that. I felt that before. I don't feel it right now necessarily, but I felt it before. Um, he goes through, and you kind of learn that the reason he's killing all the gods, you know, all these Norse gods and all these different people, different planets, gods and stuff, is because he had this huge, terrible life struggle, and he came to the realization that there just must not be any gods because I did everything right, and they're not helping me. Then he found out they were real, and that just made him so much more angry. And I can relate to that. I feel like most people can, whether you're Christian or not. If you're not Christian, you've probably been angry that people are saying there's a good God. And how can you say that when the world is the way it is? And if you are Christian, you've probably had some stuff happen to you that made you mad. Like, God, why'd you let this happen? And Hmm. that anger is just so relatable. I mean, he takes it to a much more extreme level. But, you know, taking it to those levels typically kind of shows you the fault in it and shows you – the danger and I don't know. I think it teaches you more in that way that you're able to relate and then see what would have happened if you took it way too far. Right. And also yeah. if there were and, Norse and, gods were real. Yeah. And then if, <laughs> if um, you know, that what we talk about, you see these themes and these stories that we geek out on the, usually the difference between hero and villain, if, if they all have these origin stories where a tragedy or traumas has happened to them, Something very tragic. And so what is their response to that? The hero will, will respond by saying, you know, I don't want this to happen to anybody else. You know, Batman has a horrible trauma as a kid. He's like, I'm going to do everything I can, use every resource I have so that other people don't have to experience this, uh, the way I did. Now the villain will, will most of the time say, um, you know, this happened to me and, and I want other people to experience this. I'm going to take out my revenge and I'm not going to be the only one who's going to go through this. I want to exude chaos and evil in the world because I don't want to be the only one. So how we respond to trauma, tragedy really determines kind of our trajectory of, of hero and villain. And I think Gore at one point, you know, he is, he is grieving the loss of his family and pain and he prayed and, and he literally, he meets up with their, their God and he, and he literally says, where were you? Um, yeah, and if, man, that was such if, a powerful, man, that moment got me. Yeah. Power, and, and I think that's scriptural because there's plenty of times in the Bible where people have, have, have shake their fist at God and say, where were you? How God responds, whether it's Job or others, but even Jesus from the cross quotes Psalm 22 and says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Um, and, and that powerful Psalm that moves from like pain and angst and, and the absence of God. And if you read that Psalm all the way to the end, it ends with this, uh, kind of reconstruction of faith of, of a God who's there even in the midst of pain and will bring new life out of it. So, so yeah, this gore, you can tell what Jason Aaron, um, has made public that, that he's not a believer. He's an atheist. And, and what he wrestles with, um, you see he wrestling out in this book. There's legitimate and authentic questions. Uh, what makes a God worthy? Why, why are some prayers answered or not? Um, and, and so, yeah, those are things we can all relate to, um, even as people of faith. Right. And I, I oh, only yeah. just realized that I read The God Butcher a long time ago because uh, <laughs> I, I, you guys were talking about it. And then I remembered I can vividly picture his, you know, introductory chapters where he's losing his family and mm-hmm. all that stuff. 
and it is the most empathetic origin for an antagonist I can remember in a long time. Right. That, that, Unless you is... count anything from One Piece. Yeah, yeah. yeah. One Piece fair. is a whole different story. Um, but what, what's interesting is uh, his origin actually, they don't give it till God Bomb. So you go through this whole arc of God Butcher, and you're like, man, this guy is so terrible. What could possibly make someone like that? Uh, then, like TJ said, God Bomb starts, and all of a sudden, it is the most like relatable villain backstory possible. And you're like, man, I don't want to relate to this guy because I know all this terrible stuff he's did already. Yeah, uh, the first fact, arc is the 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 god butcher, and then the second arc is the god bomb. Like he literally creates a bomb that's going to destroy all gods. That's the bomb. It's like what it, what is he going to do with this bomb to get rid of like all of the pantheon of any kind of god you can think of? Yeah, and uh, what, what's and to go back to the um, who's worthy thing and thinking about what does a hero do versus what does a villain do when you confront this? Thor is confronted with this early on in God Butcher. When he he comes to a planet where he's able to save them and he's like, hey, what happened to your gods? Like, we don't we don't have any. And mm. he felt so much angst for them. He was so concerned that they didn't have a God that he was like, well, call out to me, call out to me. I'll do it. And then he mm. went down and he's trying to find Gore because he's like, this should never happen to someone. Right. And that's just such so powerful. Um, Will, uh, speaking of which, we we can't move on without talking about how is Jane able to pick up the hammer? We're talking about how what makes a god worthy. What makes Jane worthy? Right. Uh, you move on to many, many issues, many story arcs, and eventually you get to uh, the mighty Thor. Uh, well, uh, one of the one of the big arcs is one of the things that happens uh, is Jason Aaron writes a big event for um for Marvel, they love their events. There's one called Original Sin, and um, and Thor becomes unworthy and unable to pick up the hammer. Um, and so it just sits out there. And one of the cliffhangers is someone who picks it up and becomes Lady Thor or uh, a female version of Thor. And so there's a good good. He lets that hang out there for a while. Who is this Thor? And everybody's debating who is this new Thor. Well, eventually you find out. Spoiler, but it's it's all over out there anyway. It's hard to avoid at this point because of the movie. <laughs> but Jane Foster, his former girlfriend, um, is able to pick it up. But uh, what you find out is that um, she is riddled with cancer and going through uh, chemotherapy. And so when she doesn't pick up the hammer, she's literally um, has no hair and she's taking chemo treatments. But when she picks up the hammer, she becomes the mighty Thor. Um, now, the twist is, is that every time she puts on every time she picks up the hammer to become the mighty Thor, uh, she loses all the progress she's made with her chemotherapy. And so when she puts it back down, she goes back to the beginning. So she has to decide, do I, am I, do I want to be human or do I want to be a God? And where, where is my true self lie? So there's this incarnational theology of human and divine being infused into this person. And, um, yeah, and, and she really hammers out and they tee out again. Uh, what does it mean to be worthy or not when it comes to where is God when there's pain and suffering, uh, not just with pandemics, but those we see loved ones who are who are dying or riddled of cancer. Uh, God, where are you? My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And they they wrestle with that. Oh, yeah. And um, <laughs> so just just a couple of notes on that. One is um, one thing I really like is that uh, Aaron has actually said that. They, Marvel didn't ask him to do that, which was something that I was always under something because, you know, everyone wants to be progressive. So Marvel wants a girl version of Thor. But no, no, he wasn't asked to do that. He just thought it was a cool idea and just kind of did it. And they were like, yeah, yeah that's fine, which 
makes me feel better because a lot of times people push that stuff. And when you push just to be progressive, that usually ruins a story um, that did not happen in this case. I, I think it made the story a lot cooler to me. Um, and, and one thing that I'll say that makes it easier to think about it from theological points for me is the reason that some people have a problem with it is that they're not real gods, right? These Norse gods and stuff. And I'm able to say, hey, I can think of what a, not, a god who isn't worthy is. What would it be like if we had a god that could fail? And that allows me to appreciate the true God, our God, a little bit better. And that's one thing I really appreciated that I got out of this. Mm. Yeah, that kind of incarnational theology of of Christ being 100% human and wrestling with the same things we are wrestling with. Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and we're able to think of of a version of that where he failed instead of, you know, Jesus is perfect. He didn't fail. So it's nice to put it mm -hmm. into a fictional realm so you can think about it in those terms. And mythology at its at its core is really personifying questions uh, that we ask or or ways we perceive the universe. So this Norse mythology, Greek mythology, any kind of mythology is is teasing out, put into story form uh, or personifying uh, the big questions we're wrestling with. Uh, the scriptures do that, too. But then we lean in that that, yeah, we have a God who literally became human and um, became uh, vulnerable uh, and experienced pain and suffering and death for us uh, so that we can have uh, new life um, and that we can be worthy and uh, pick up the hammer of love and grace. There you go. Nice, nice. I, I think that's a pretty perfect place to end our part on. Um, TJ, would you go ahead and introduce your anime to us? So what, what, do, what do we need to learn about what you guys watched? Kino and I wanted to talk about Blue Exorcist. Uh, we have common ground with the series. Uh, we had both seen it before we, you know, came up with the idea for this episode. And uh, if you understand what I'm saying, uh, you might understand why we wanted to talk about it already. Uh, Blue Exorcist is about a kid named Rin, Rin Okumura, who is the son of Satan in this universe. Oh, and he was raised by a Catholic priest. And uh, it is, you know, he decides to get revenge on his dad, Satan, uh, because he killed <laughs> his Catholic priest father. And, uh, oh. right. There are really strong, overt Christian themes uh, in Blue Exorcist. And I enjoy it a lot because... Really, the fact that it could be plausible, depending on how much you think the Vatican is hiding from us. Because <laughs> uh, in-universe, uh, the Blue Exorcists, like the group he's a part of to kill demons that enter our world, is ran by the Vatican secretly, Ooh. underground. Ooh. <laughs> hmm. Yeah, hmm. So, you know, I'm just saying it's possible that hmm. you know, the Vatican's hiding a bunch of really strong exorcists somewhere. But so like, in this, is Satan a girl? No. No. What gave you that idea? You said his Catholic priest was his dad, so in my mind. He was raised by a Catholic his priest. Mom. That was Oh, okay, okay. Yeah. Sort of so, like sort of like how Hellboy was was like a, a child of Satan and then was adopted, right? Right. It was like yes. that? Okay. Yes. Yes. But it really it has a good representation of Buddhism and Shintoism also. And uh, hmm. Reen represents the Christianity in the story. Uh, he shows himself to be fearless. 
which, you know, Bible says a good bit about in different places. Uh, hmm. What is it? Deuteron- is this a series on, um, on, on Netflix or where, where vehicle do you watch, uh, find it? I originally watched it on some bootleg anime website. I have no idea where it's available now. Okay. So I think it's currently on Hulu. Okay. It might be on Netflix as well, but I know it's currently on Hulu. So, Kino, what got you into it? The uh, Catholic priest. (laughs) Literally the Catholic priest and the raising the, the, the twin son of Satan. Because what uh, TJ didn't tell you was he has a twin brother that's also the son of Satan, but uh, he doesn't have those powers to kill Satan as Ren does. Right. And uh, so, yeah. so it was it was literally the Catholic priest raising these kids, and then he started exercising demons. And I was like, wait, he's raising a demon? Oh, okay. Right. Let me let me see how <laughs> far this goes. <laughs> Yeah, you know, a house is divided against itself. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, there little, you go. Little plot synopsis. Uh Rin didn't know that he was the inheritor of Satan's powers until his Catholic spoiler warning, by the way. Until his Catholic priest father was killed by a demon. I already said it once, yeah. I know. And he drew his sword that was sealing away his demonic powers. And then he decided to become an exorcist just to find out his twin brother was already really good at it and one of his teachers at his exorcist cram school <laughs> see what immediately interests me is and you know i don't think like this and i know kino so you know it's easier for me but i'm like you know i, I feel like people listening are like wait a minute uh, a, a pastor is listening to a show about demons and uh kino how <laughs> how, how, do you, how do you come for this like is that um do people ever ask you about that no no, no, no one, no one really cares about what I watch unless they ask me about the stuff that's in my office, like you guys saw Chewbacca. So, okay. <laughs> uh, but if someone were to ask, how do I, you know, get around it? I, I would really say that it's not more. It's not more so about the demons, but about this young man trying to understand his own identity separating from his father, even though his father is the devil. Yes. <laughs> but still <laughs> he is trying to understand and coming to terms with his own legacy, which hmm. to me is similar to uh, David and Solomon. Hmm. Not, not saying that there's demons in that, but, but Solomon still also had to understand his own legacy outside of his own father, even though he was in his father's shadow. So I that that's the way I was seeing it. If you can get past the demons and look at the storyline, you will see that it's it's very it's it's about a coming of age and knowing who you are and coming to grips with your own past. Yeah, what I'm hearing is like identity and family and where do I belong are big biblical themes. And so there are other geeky avenues of of fathers and sons. Uh, I think there's a big one that someone screamed out, I am your father. And there was like, no. So, you know, what, <laughs> what, what does it do with family identity? And then, you know, even though, you know, I love apocalyptic um, 
the apocalyptic genre, whether it's robots or, or zombies or whatever. And really, those are just tools to help us go to a deeper question that they're wrestling with. Like, am I scared of death? What's important to me? So demons, I, I haven't watched it, but I plan to. I hear demons, I hear swords, I hear priests. I'm, I'm all in. But but it's just a, it sounds like a vehicle to go deeper into these uh, aspects of identity, where I belong, what I believe, what's important to me. And, and is there um, a larger purpose that I can be a part of that I believe in? Right. Yeah. And uh, and a show. Go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> uh, so Japan is an extremely secular country. If you didn't know that already, it is either number one or number two, as far as uh, a religion goes. Uh, I think Sweden is, might be number one, but for something like this to come out of Japan, uh, you know, really shows someone's trying to make a change, no matter how subtle it is. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, it's so, popular. So a show I like that TJ really doesn't like <laughs> is uh, Supernatural. True. And sorry, I, I love like religious kind of. I like that as a theme because it makes it easier to think about different religions, if that makes sense. Um, so in Supernatural. Uh, near near the end, God's basically the bad guy, and the son of Satan is one of the good guys, but Satan's also bad in that, so it's a little different. But uh, it, it definitely kind of rings of the same thing to me, where you're like you're you're cheering for the son of Satan, but you know in that it's uh, for supernatural, it's like team freedom versus this guy who represents kind of a dogmatic religion, sort of like Jesus fought against the religious leaders of his time who were very dogmatic, and he was team freedom. Um, which, you know, that's kind of a, a deep cut into Supernatural fans. They're like, yeah, Team Freedom. Um, how does, if I like Supernatural and I like that kind of themed stuff, is that a good indicator that I would like this show? Well, I think a lot of people would like this show. It is, uh, it's like a pure shonen, like pure shonen cartoon, which means like young adults, you're going to watch this. You're going to enjoy it. It's all fighting. There's not a whole lot of heavy emotional beats. And uh, all of the, you know, all the religion aspects are there. Uh, some of them are fairly overt. Some of them are more subtle. They weren't against secularism. Uh, hmm. A lot of the imagery is Christian. Uh, even his sword looks like a cross, I think, in a lot of the scenes. Hmm. Uh, yeah, that was going to be one of my other questions. I know Supernatural like avoids the Jesus thing because it makes it a little less taboo. So do, do they like they mention Jesus? Is Jesus real in this? Uh, no, they actually don't mention Jesus, but he is, you know, it's assumed that he exists just because yeah. they are actually Catholic. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's shown that that gives you power. So there is still power in Christianity. Right. Huh. Absolutely. What 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 kind of power? I'm sorry. I, I'm just I'm trying to picture what this show is like. I'm still like the power I'm to kill demons. Picturing it. All right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I like All the right. image. I like the image of a bunch of superhero priests going out there, got an underground team like the Avengers going out and uh, so, getting rid of evil. So, but Sounds yes, good. there's some priests with guns, swords, hey. <laughs> uh, knives. I'm trying to remember all of them. So, so there's, so there's like a, a ragbag team of priests. 
It's a whole organization. Yeah, it's a, it's a deep oh, that's organization. Great. <laughs> All right. Okay. They have, they have their now, own. Society. Now I am intrigued. <laughs> Me too. Hey, Me too. I like uh, I like secret organizations. Those are always like always grasp my attention. They have their own Supreme Court. Oh. Mm-hmm. Hmm. <laughs> Fascinating. It's a, it's a pretty interesting show for world building. Also, the manga is still ongoing. Is uh, it? If, yeah. Hmm. It started in 2009. So. Hmm. That's that's cool to know too. Like the the again going back to the source material and reading the books either before or after to go different take or different angle or to enrich it is uh, I'm a big supporter of that. Big supporter of literacy. So uh, yeah, go out if you like the show, read, go read the book too. Maybe I'll read the book first, then then watch it. You know? Yeah, I think I'm actually yeah, gonna just read. Don't the do manga. that with One Piece because uh, <laughs> the the manga has been going literally my entire life for One Piece. Okay. It's worth it. The same year as me. (laughs) I, you know, Blue Exorcist break. Please read One Piece. It's so good. Okay. It only took me like it's still ongoing too, right? Yep. It look. It only took me like two or three months to catch up. Wow. It it's not that bad. It is only at chapter one thousand and (laughs) twenty-seven. Oh. You must have been stuck in the house watching nothing but One Piece. For sure. I was reading it. Okay. At my speed? Mm. That's the way to do it. (laughs) (laughs) Got it. But uh, unless... Also, I was wrong. One Piece started in 1997. So... Yeah, like five years after I started. As long as I've been alive. Can you read at five? I probably yeah. might have been able to read by then. I don't know. Yeah. yeah. Kindergarten. Yeah. I don't I can... know anything about kids, y'all. <laughs> All right. So as far as Blue Exorcist goes, uh, I think that's all I've got to say. Kino, did you have anything you wanted to add? Um, no, just uh, just know that there is a blue flame. Hmm. A blue flame. Wait, what, what do you mean there's a blue flame? So so Ren, Ren turns, uh, he, he shoots out a blue flame when he taps into his Satanist dad's power. Mm. Interesting. Mm-hmm. So mm. that's why it's called mm. Blue Exorcist, because he has a blue flame. Right. That's good. Oh, okay. Right. There you go. The fire imagery helps me hel- helps me picture kind of what it might look like a little better too. Yeah. Nice. Nice. Yeah. I'll, uh, good show. I-, I think I think y'all I think y'all convince me. I think I'm gonna probably check that one out. I uh, think you'll like it. Yeah. I hope you do check it out. Yeah. I, I do too, but I, I got a lot of other anime I got to run through first. TJ just got me started on Attack on Titan, and oh wow, uh, I, uh, it takes me forever to watch anything. So y'all hang in there with me. <laughs> no, it's fine because I stopped. I stopped watching Attack on Titan, and because I got impatient, and then I just picked, <laughs> it back, picked it back up and finally finished. It and I was like, wait, this is the end? It's not okay. Oh, not yet. <laughs> There's one more half season. Oh, okay, great. Yeah. <laughs> and now we convinced everyone to, to read Attack on Titan. Yeah. Well. They confused watch. everybody by saying the final season and then put it right. in two parts. Yeah, that's <laughs> that's weird. So uh, what do we think our conclusions are as far as these two media properties go? I, I, I think when I think that 
I understand why people are hesitant to want to consume media with other gods or demons or Satan or any of that. But I, I think that for those of us who are able to do it and it not negatively impact us, I know for some people that causes too much angst. And for those people, I say, hey, avoid these things, right? Like if it's going to cause a stumbling block, hey, let's keep it away from our brother and sister that it'll be a stumbling block for. Mm. Um, but for those of us who can consume this media and think of it as fiction and allow that fiction to open our mind to places that is harder to go from a theological standpoint, right? Um, it's harder for me to think of, you know, um, what does it truly mean to fight Satan in my context? Because that seems such an intimidating thought, right? But when you put it in this, this cover of, okay, but Satan's son and he's going against, and we have these priests with guns and swords and stuff. I'm really interested to see, what do they do? How do they take on Satan? And uh, I, I think that makes it easier to think about when it's so obviously fiction, if that makes sense. Right. And I feel I feel pretty much the same way. Uh, I would like to add in a, a content warning for Blue Exorcist. It is written for young men. There may be a little bit of objectifying women in that show. Uh, significantly less than a lot of anime. But it, it's still in there. And if that makes you uncomfortable, honestly, the parts are skippable. But just if that makes you uncomfortable, you can just not watch it. That is not for everyone. And yeah. it's easy to watch that and say, you know, it's a cartoon. It's whatever. Uh, it's made in a different culture. They have different beliefs, uh, different morals. And you know, it just I'd brush it off now. I just ignore it. Uh, Will, did you have a different set of conclusions for us? Yeah, I just kind of think what what I do with with God loves geeks, or what I even do in my ministry is I I just I just challenge people to be more intentional with with what they are consuming in pop culture and life. And yeah, we've been given the gift of faith, and so how are you using it? Uh, be intentional about how you're how you're walking in your journey of faith and the same way with our entertainment and what we geek out on. Uh, it's great to be entertained by it and see the fight scenes and the special effects and all that stuff. But, but what question is behind the question? What are they wrestling with and how does that stir up in you? Um, how, how you are intentional with your own life and, and with your own gifts and how's your story and redemption art playing out in, in the world with others. And so like with Thor, I think with Thor or anime and these comic books, they, they're a, a great sandbox to play in with our imaginations and to let them run wild. I think too often in the church, we get really stuck that, that we can't do this with the scriptures or with theology or with their own life stories. We, there has to be A, B, or C, and, and you have to think of it this way, but, but why can't the church be, why can't we handle scripture um, the same way we we read the Thor books and walk into the comic book store and talk with our friends about how we loved how this happened, or maybe that was a mischaracterization, and I wish they had done this, or man, what's happening here, and I can't wait to see what happens next. I, sometimes I often wish that uh, our our worship and our preaching and and Bible study and our faith can be the same way people have fun with it in the comic book store or at Comic Con. What I hear is Pastor Will's challenging us to geek out on the Bible, and uh, mm, I, I can take that challenge. That sounds uh, that sounds fun for me. I, I mm -hmm. particularly love the Old Testament. I, I'll give you all the weirdest thing that I actually do. I, I will say I geek out on this. Uh, the book of Leviticus, no one likes <laughs> it. I, I think <laughs> it's the most fascinating thing in the world, and 
if you guys ever want to just sit down and talk Leviticus with me, I will do it. I love that. I, I think the I think the story is that Rob Bell started his church uh, walking through the book of Leviticus. That's that's the first sermon series yeah, he that's did. Funny. He he was like, we're going to just jump in Leviticus and tease out this because he's read and studied a lot of Hebrew, and he's like, we're going to tease this out to to understand what kind of God the Israelites are portraying in this book and, and what God's nature and character is. And so he started with Leviticus, not with Acts or, or, or Luke yeah. or whatever. He's, he's, yeah. He started with the book of Leviticus. I thought yeah. that was a right. cool story. Yeah. <laughs> Leviticus is for the, for the real Bible geeks who are ready to do the deep cuts. So no, right. so, yeah, no. Snyder cuts. Yeah. Snyder cut, Snyder cut of the <laughs> old Testament. Uh, <laughs> no, I think nice. I'm, well, I, I think I'm fairly Go sure ahead. that if you got other people who wanted to be or who are constitutional lawyers who are also studied the Bible, they would also love <laughs> Leviticus. Yeah. So. yeah. <laughs> oh, man, that's funny. Guys, uh, I hope you guys enjoyed this, and I hope it was a good picture of what unity can look like and maybe a good picture of systematic ecology. Maybe you want to check that out. I don't know. I don't know, guys. Maybe you do. But uh, thanks for listening. And, and maybe you want to start your own God Loves Geeks book club in, in your community of faith and let us know. We'll, we'll help you out with that if you want to, want to start one up. Right. And if you're listening to this on Systematic Geekology already, congratulations, you made it. Uh, also, <laughs> the Whole Church Podcast, if you are. If you're listening on the Whole Church Podcast, please go check out Systematic Geekology. And uh, remember, we are all a chosen people, a geekdom of priests. This was an Anazal Ministries podcast. If you enjoyed this show and would like to learn more about our network, be sure to check out the Anazal Ministries podcast network.